there, it's Carl, and this is another episode of Startup Notes Podcast. Today we're continuing our book, Peak Performance Selling, and this is Chapter 4, Self-Sabotaging Fear Number 2, Fear of Embarrassment. The second self-sabotaging fear that can limit our success is fear of embarrassment. Like fear of rejection, it is characterized by our need to have others like us, respect us, and enjoy our company. Fear of embarrassment is different from fear of rejection, however, in that even though inside ourselves we experience the fear, we may often try to appear to others in almost all situations as totally competent, alert, and bright. Fear of embarrassment involves our ego, self-esteem, and self-confidence. Sigmund Freud, Freud the, the father of psychoanalysis based much of his research on a three-letter word that is a basic source of our fear of embarrassment. Can you guess what it is? If you thought sex, you're wrong. It's ego. Males spend lifetimes trying to build their egos up. Often they live in moral fear that somebody might embarrass them and tear their egos to shreds. In your day-to-day conversations, how often do you hear people protect themselves from the fear of embarrassment by saying things like that? I'm sure you know much more about this than I do, or I could very well be wrong, but... and so on. And they continue their statement. So, such statements are unconscious attempts to admit ignorance before the fact, just in case we turn out to be mistaken. I'll give you my opinion, but don't hold me to it. This is another quote. If we claim ignorance in advance, there is less chance we will make an embarrassing mistake. Many salespeople find it difficult to sell new ideas or new products because of a fear of embarrassment. What if my prospect asks me something about this product I can't answer? I'll look foolish. Or they punish themselves by coming out of an interview thinking, what a stupid thing to say, what did I just said? If they dwell on the potential to make mistakes and embarrass themselves, they may become too tentative in dealing with prospects and ultimately lose sales. A sales manager once told me about a producer who avoided making prospecting calls. Instead, the sales man would spend almost all of his time studying the products. He would bring mountains of brochures, handouts, and printouts containing product information on a sales call. Whenever a prospect asked a question of the salesman, although he knew the answer, the salesman would avoid the chance of being wrong by looking up the answer in his reference materials. Unfortunately, This is both a poor way to sell and a great way to lose lose spontaneity and rapport with the prospect. The sharpest, most successful salespeople bring in technical assistance only if needed in the form of a third-party expert. When a tough question comes up, they'll defer to the expert. These big hitters are not embarrassed that the expert may have more expertise than them. They don't want to look foolish but also realize they can't know everything. 
these superstars are the first to say, I don't try to learn everything. I go out and get my feet wet, but I don't overlearn the product. We must study our products and services, but if we are in sales, we should not let this dominate our activity. Sell what they need, not how it works. So fear of embarrassment manifests in salespeople who feel the need to educate others rather than sell the prospect. They wrongly assume they can overcome their fear of embarrassment by impressing the prospect into respecting his or her or her level of knowledge. They irrationally hope that the prospect will say, I'll buy from you because you're so smart. You know more about the products than anyone I've seen. So I have to admit that I've never bought anything from the most technically competent salesperson I could find. I mostly buy from the salesperson who can find out what I need and sell it to me. If this were not true of most prospects, technical experts would be the most successful salespeople. There would be no need for sales skills, just your technical knowledge. Exactly, that's a very good point. For example, when people come in to me and they need paid advertisement, no matter how skilled I am and my technical skills, I still can't sell them properly because that's not the only thing that you need to sell to somebody. Your technical knowledge is not that important. So overcoming intimidation. I often meet people suffering from fear of embarrassment who use very advanced avoidance behaviors. They are experts at putting off uncomfortable situations in which they could experience embarrassment. When they are asked why they are not prospecting to a specific market such as to doctors, lawyers, or top executives, they are likely to say things like, I'll prospect that market after I finish my MBA. Do you fear talking to people who may not, who may know more than you do, or who may, who may intimidate you? The temptation to lie, to avoid appearing foolish, is very high. If you are working with new salespeople, help them see how valuable they are with their current level of skill and experience. Help them focus on what they do know rather than what they don't. Many people don't feel adequate until they earn an advanced degree. A designation such as CPA, CLU, CFP, or a degree such as MBA or PhD may indicate an advanced level of extra education. This may have been obtained to serve as a psychological crutch in order to rationalize a way out of situations in which the person may not feel confident. Fear of embarrassment is a fear that others may not respect you in the way you want. We often try to justify to ourselves why we weren't successful in a sales or negotiation situation. We rationalize in order to take the burden of failure and responsibility off our shoulders. We determine we can't possibly be successful because of a co- corollary 
to fear of embarrassment called intimidation. Intimidation or fear of embarrassment makes us rationalize why we don't become successful or why we can't achieve something we want. It's basically an attempt to avoid people who may know more than you or who have rejected you in the past. This is a typical example of the fear of embarrassment. I had decided that rather than risk being embarrassed again, I would never put myself in a similar situation, even though the fact that he was older had nothing to do with his beating me. I let the fact that he was an older player who beat me intimidate me so much that I wouldn't play anyone similar again, aka older people. So, yeah, imagine you, you're a tennis player, you start to play an older person, and you lose. You lose pretty, like, uh, heavily. And then you say, oh, you know what, this was an embarrassing situation. I'm never going to play older people because I lost and I'm going to lose again. But you can learn from all those uh, losses to older people they can teach you something so it's an irrational fear of embarrassment all right so let's move on to leaping the barrier if you have a fear of embarrassment you probably recognize some of the symptoms just discussed of course this does not mean you are incompetent or won't be able to do a good job at selling or dealing with your clients it merely means there is a barrier keeping you from your achieving what you want. Your fear of embarrassment puts a limitation on your overall productivity. Fear of embarrassment may be unconsciously motivating you to keep out of situations in which you may not feel as competent or as respected as you want to be. Henry Ford was was once questioned about his technical expertise in a courtroom hearing. He was even quiet about his abilities and sophistication in leading a major corporation. When asked what is single-line depreciation in accounting, Ford, the eighth grade dropout, responded, I don't know. Mr. Ford, how many tires do you buy each year? He will respond, I don't know. Mr. Ford, the question the questioner asked who was the third president of the United States. Ford would reply, I don't know, and I don't care. I'm not paid to be a damn encyclopedia. I surround myself with experts to give me the facts. I'm paid millions of dollars each year to put these facts together effectively. Obviously, Henry Ford didn't have a fear of embarrassment. After you have a very embarrassing experience, you may develop a fear that leads you to avoid situations that may take, that make you feel foolish. Or you might want to avoid people who think they know more than you. Giving speeches to people you don't know might seem impossible to some, someone experiencing a severe case of fear of embarrassment. Speaking in front of a group is said to scare most Americans even more than death itself. We are so frightened of what people may think of us that we avoid burying our souls in speeches for fear of what 
a listener might think. But if you if your prospects don't hear you, there is little chance they'll buy from you. Alright, so let's move on to seminar selling. If you have a fear of embarrassment, you may not be willing to engage in what is one of the best marketing strategies available. This strategy has led to numerous overnight sales successes. It works simply because through, through it you can prospect 50 people in the same in, in the time it originally takes to prospect one. Since, since it is very high touch, it, it is far better than media or social advertising and is, and is almost as effectiveness as one-to-one -one meeting. This advanced concept is called sem seminar selling. It is one of the hardest sell strategies around. It is hard not to find a seminar advertisement in your daily newspaper. Most of these presentations make lots of money. So let's discuss five steps to great seminar presentations. If you want to prospect 50 people in the same time it takes to prospect one, follow these steps. But before you do, remember, great speakers are made, not born. Most speakers worth their salt have survived one disastrous speaking engagement after another, as they learn how to be effective in front of a group. Those of us who have overcome the fear of embarrassment to become effective speakers have a motto for new speakers entertaining the fray. Either you have bombed or you will bomb. Ideally, with a little study, you can temper that awful experience. Here are the five steps that will help make your seminar message so full of impact that your that your listeners will ask you to do business with them. So first, ask a rhetorical question of the group and then pause. Second, use your own personal experience to illustrate your points. Most people don't want a book report by an amateur when an expert is readily available. If you give the audience a sense that you have lived the concept you are preaching, their interest will be piqued. You'll keep their attention much longer. By illustrating the fear of success with a personal anecdote, I gave the audience a part of myself. Share your personality in your presentations. Audiences put as much value in this as they do in your content. Besides arousing and increasing the group's interest, you help them grasp your concepts and understand more quickly. Third, get the audience to participate. Conference attendees are tired of being lectured to or talked at. They want to be involved. They want to be part of the program. Fourth, Use sense of humor to conclude every major point. Johnny, Johnny Carson once said that people will pay much more to be, to be entertained than they will to be educated. There is quite a bit of truth to his comments. In memory retention studies done at San Diego State University, researchers found that when ideas are associated with humor, they're not only remembered longer, but retained with much more detail than ideas presented without humor. Fifth, never present more than four or five major ideas at any one sitting.
Unexperienced speakers simply try to cram too much into a very short time period. They end up treating their subject very superficially. Avoid this mistake. The mind can absorb only what the seed can endure. Remember the five steps for effective speaking. Step one, ask a rhetorical, rhetorical question of the group and then pause. Step two, use your own personal experiences to illustrate your points. Step three, get the audience to participate. Step four, use humor to conclude every major point. Step five, never present more than four or five major ideas at any one sitting. All right. A financial planner in Detroit, Michigan, uses seminar selling every month or two. He conducts public seminars on how a middle-income earner can make money on, a, on investments. While he's no, not a gifted speaker, he has learned to overcome his fear of embarrassment. He has learned that from every 100 attendees, 40 to 50 will become his clients. His average client invests $300,000. All this from a technique most salespeople are too often afraid to try. Promise yourself that in the next month you will stand up in front of at least one group of strangers and discuss your business. Afterward, ask for business cards for follow-up. Use the speaking ideas outlined in his chapter to overcome your fear of embarrassment. Um, yeah. So the next chapter is chapter five, self-sabotaging fear number three, fear of failure. So today we've discussed fear of embarrassment. In our previous episode, we've discussed fear of rejection. Yeah, and the next one is going to be fear of failure. Um, well, that's it for today. Hope this was insightful. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Bye.